and welcome to Conversations with a Starseed. I'm your host, Shiona, and I am, in fact, a starseed. In these episodes, I want to discuss everything from what seems like the small and mundane to the large existential concepts I encounter and look forward to along my journey. So now, let's expand and explore perceptions, lenses, and understandings of our universe and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Conversations with a Starseed. So today I want to talk about energy pulling and how we do that between people uh, is really by using what's called the control dramas. So I was introduced to the control dramas with a mentor that I'm or a teacher that I'm working with currently, but also through the book, The Celestine Prophecy. So if you haven't read or picked up or heard me talk about this book, I do highly recommend it. Uh, it's a really nice way to look at these control dramas, not in sort of a, a textbook form, but in more of a story. So so what are the control dramas and what is energy pulling? So when we are not on our own axis, so when we are not connected to this earth and connected to our individual source points, refilling our energy that way, um, we will often look at other ways to fill ourselves up. And we will do this by pulling energy usually from other people. This sort of becomes a bit of a tug of war, a competition, and a back and forth of energy. Now, have you ever noticed that you've had a, a conversation or an interaction or circumstance with someone and then at the end of it, they feel fantastic and you feel completely drained and depleted. That's usually a pretty good signal or sign that you've had all of your energy pulled. Or even better yet, you've given away your energy. So sometimes you'll get physical symptoms like a headache or you'll be super cranky. And you'll find that you'll want to avoid being around that person. And that's when really we notice that we have an inability to control our emotional field. So you can't get your words out, you find you're you're up and down, you're back and forth, um, and you're at another's whim or control. So the problem can never be solved, no matter the suggestion. And I mean that when you're in this conversation, when you're in this situation, anything that you come up with doesn't seem to move it forward it just allows this other person to either spiral even more so into their control drama or change to another one so in order to have clearer communication with even our guides other beings higher self and with those in the physical world we really need to acknowledge and repair how if and where we're playing these control dramas ourselves So this is part of take radical responsibility for our own energy and how we are using it. I talked a little bit about this in my first episode. So if you haven't listened, this is a perfect opportunity to go back and listen to that. When we can be aware of when we are using them or others around us are using them, we can make sure we are never pulling from others or allowing us to be pulled from. Being our own source through our connection to the earth and our source points is a way to stay on our own axis to prevent us from pulling from others as well as others pulling from us. So as I mentioned, the control dramas are in the Celestine Prophecy. And if you've heard me talk about this book, you'll know I'm a big fan. 
If you haven't read it, I do highly recommend it. You can usually find it uh, in thrift stores, secondhand bookstores. Um, but if you want to buy your own copy firsthand, then absolutely things like Amazon and any online bookstore will have it as well. So just to sort of give you a little overview, we have four main control dramas. We have the aloof, which tend to never give a straight answer, wants to be chased for information, and afraid of being wrong for their answers. We have the poor me or the victim. So something is always wrong, never going to get better, the world is against them. We have the interrogator. So constantly making others wrong for their decisions, thoughts, opinions, and actions. And lastly, we have the intimidator. And they are usually using fear as the control factor. So we tend to learn these throughout our lives, starting with our family dynamics at home with our parents and siblings. We often see our parents use them with each other and with us. So this is more of a learned or even a mimicked behavior. So while we may need compassion for ourselves and others while we learn, understand, and work through these, we also need to not tolerate it in our energy fields. We will often use these control dramas or energy pulling when we feel we can't stay on our axis or that we aren't on our axis to begin with. When we're going to others for the validation, support, love, we're actually pulling from them. So now just take a second to let that sink in because it may rub many people the wrong way and cause a ton of questions, which is great. But this is a chance to explore why you're feeling that way. I think we've all had or do have that person in our lives that only calls on you or you only call on someone else if they need something. They leave saying things like, you always make me feel so much better. And yet you feel completely drained and depleted. So they've come to you to boost their energy and you've given yours away. When we are fully on our axis connected to earth and our source point, we don't feel the need to pull energy from others or to deplete ourselves because we're receiving the energy from those two connection points. Another reason why taking care of yourself, body, mind, and soul is so important. You are more likely to fall into these when you're in a depleted state. So if you're not getting enough sleep, if your nutrition is off, if you're not moving your body, all of this will contribute to you using these control dramas. So then we begin to look at like, okay, why, why should I stop? If everyone is using these, if I've grown up in this environment, if everyone at my work and in my family and in my friend circle are all using these, why wouldn't I? Well, let's address a few things with that. First of all, you may have heard me speak about radical responsibility. Well, folks, here it is. Managing your energy and your field is no one else's responsibility or problem. This is not your parents' responsibility, your spouse's issue, or your kid's choice to clean up after you. The phrase, it's not my fault and I can't help it, no longer apply. If you choose or want to continue in that poor me drama, this may not be the podcast for you. Secondly, 
You should never do anything on the premise that everyone else is doing it. Always tune into yourself and into your truth and decide what is best for you. This, my friends, is soul sovereignty. Thirdly, looking at this with existential concepts, playing in control dramas is tying you into the fourth dimension and it is heavy. The fourth dimension consists of all grids of information and then within these grids we find beliefs, emotions, hierarchies, stories, polarities such as black or white, good or bad, right or wrong. The more we play into these, the heavier and more bogged down we become. There's less movement, perspectives, shifts, open dialogue and communion, even clarity. We can talk more about the dimension itself later. Also, with the heavier, with the 4D, the more distortion we experience when trying to connect to our own team, our loved ones, the collective truths. And quite honestly, most of the galactics won't even bother if you're too heavy in your fourth dimensional stuff. This also limits what our body can do, see and understand and download even because of the amount of distortion that we will carry with our fourth dimensional ideas. As you clear these dramas, you begin to open up and heighten your intuitive abilities. And trust me, every relationship you have will shift. So now let me introduce to you each of these in a little more detail. We're going to start with the poor me victim archetype. This poor me victim archetype is usually very whining and complaining. They believe that the universe, the world, everyone and everything is against them. Their reality is that nothing goes right. They often experience anxiety, depression, and many other mental health disorders because they get caught up and trapped in their own thoughts, feelings, emotions, stories, ideas, fields. So they'll often say things like, nothing ever works out for me. Why is everything always going wrong? I just can't get ahead. It's not my fault. Nobody understands. You don't even care. No one loves me. I'm unlovable. When they say these things, they're looking for feedback from someone. Although they'll rarely implement any suggestions you give them, or if you do give them a suggestion, they'll probably find a reason as to why it won't work. They're constantly whining and complaining. Could be labeled even as a hypochondriac. And they will create illness in their body to prove that something is wrong. When you go to confront or call out this control drama, you can say something like, I see that you feel like a victim here. Where is this coming from? Or that's an interesting point of view. Even you could be right. And then just allow them to sit with it. They'll either dig deeper into their drama or they'll flip into another control drama or they may actually come to the moment of being ready to hear something else. Now, if you're playing the poor me, and honestly, no judgment, this was one of my main control dramas. 
So if you're the one playing the victim, the whiner, the poor me, you can say something like, I recognize that I was playing into the idea that I don't have a choice or ability to create a different outcome. Right then and there, you're realizing that, wait a minute, there could be another option and I'm just putting my blinders on here. In dealing with them, you'll need a lot of compassion since they honestly do believe these things. You'll need to unwind the false realities and stories first, and then you can move into what's actually happening or the origin of this behavior in their life. They'll want to compare and contrast with others to confirm their belief or thoughts of hierarchy. That someone else is better, someone else does it better, someone else is already doing this, I'm so far behind. Those are a lot of the poor me dramas and excuses, really. They aren't very good at taking responsibility, usually because it's always someone else's fault. If someone is really good or used to playing this drama, you may find yourself going down the rabbit hole with them. You'll begin to feel sad or upset or just down. When the victim is turning down or telling you why suggestions don't work, they'll usually flip into the interrogator or into the aloof control dramas as well. When you do call it out, do it with a ton of compassion. Understand you'll have to hold your, your field as they may try another drama or spiral even further. Or just even shut down. You'll need to stop the energy pull first and then allow them to sit in silence to work through whatever story or reasons that they're telling themselves. All right, so next up, the second control drama we're going to talk about or look at is aloof. This person is often labeled as just too cool for school. They're quite fearful of being made wrong or belittled or told they aren't smart. There's also that love to be chased for information. So when someone says, I'm fine, everything's fine, and you know it's not, and you have to keep, no, really, what's going on? Or what's, what are you experiencing? Until they finally break down and they spill a ton. They can be harder to diffuse because first you have to figure out if they're afraid of your reaction to their answer or being wrong altogether, or if they're wanting to be chased for information. So this could be a conditioned or learned response due to a trauma or an abusive experience. In the case where they have experienced abuse, they may not be ready to open up. And all you can do is just let them know that you're here and hold your field. They also may have experienced situations where they couldn't or didn't feel safe to advocate for self. So they'll often say things like, oh, I'm okay. Never mind. When asked what's the matter, oh, nothing. Clearly something is wrong. Don't worry about me, I'll be fine. It doesn't matter. I don't want to drag you into it or dull you with the details. There's also the vague short answers or no response at all. So everyone who's played the silent treatment, you've played aloof. They often tend to act like there's no options or possibilities and who even cares. They can be cool, robotic, and distant, disinterested or indifferent, standoffish or withdrawn, uncommunicative, mysterious like they have a secret, or they won't make a choice or take action. 
Another time I've played this, and even when someone has asked me, where do you want to go for dinner? Oh, I don't know. And yet I know full well there's places I really don't want to go. So instead of advocating for myself, I would let the other person decide or pull their energy and it would be a half an hour discussion of all the restaurants we've ever been to. (laughs) Not a very effective way to get what I want. So when calling out the aloof, you can say something like, I would love to have a conversation, hold space or listen when you're ready to communicate and then leave. It's interesting that you're choosing to go aloof or play hard to get right now. What's that about? Now, if you're the one playing aloof, I can see that I was afraid to use my voice in this situation. I wanted you to pay attention to me by playing hard to get when I could have just asked for what I want. Now that's taking responsibility. Next up, we have the interrogator who's often the judge and the critic. No matter what you've done, they will find a flaw in it and make you wrong for it. That's because what they fear most is being wrong or being seen as emotionally or intellectually weak. They're often perpetual learners so they know everything about anything so that they don't appear wrong. They will often shame others in order to boost themselves. They'll say things like, well, actually, if you knew what you were doing, had any knowledge in that area at all, see, I told you. What did you do that for? What were you thinking? Do you even know what you're talking about? Or flat out, you're wrong. This one always reminds me of a high school experience that's super judgy on both sides. They want to be remembered as the one with the power in the conversation. They're often the one who needs that last word. Now this can come up a lot in parenting and even in relationships. How often have you made your spouse, partner, child wrong for how they cleaned up, how they loaded the dishwasher, did their chores, Something wasn't done the way you wanted them to do it. They will act very much like the judge and critic. Talks at you rather than with you. (laughs) The mansplaining or know-it-all. They shut down ideas, brainstorming sessions, plans, or projects. They can ask a ton of questions to find fault or embarrass others. And they'll often interrupt others while they're speaking to add information. Now, you'll also find my good friend sarcasm in this one. Again, sarcasm can be used to joke around with friends, but it's a very fine line. It can also be used to shame or to belittle someone. Also, narcissism lives here and gaslighting. These are those judge, critic, controls that they use. Now, when we're looking at calling out or approaching or trying to shut down an interrogator, you can again use the phrase, that's an interesting point of view. You could be right. It's interesting that you're trying to make me wrong for sharing that. What is my experience bringing up for you? And of course, if you're the one being the interrogator, I apologize for trying to make you wrong for your 
thoughts, feelings, actions, instead of just holding space and truly listening to hear you. And last but not least, dun dun dun, we have the intimidator. <laughs> now, the intimidator wants to be in charge and seen as an authority. They use fear-based conditions, responses to control people and situations, when in fact they're deeply afraid to be seen as weak. This often comes from deep wounding. Now they can use this verbally, as in psychological games, threats, yelling, name-calling, gaslighting, a lot of narcissistic tendencies again, but really their words become the weapon. Physically, you may find them with their stature, making themselves large, taller, higher, bigger, wider. There's also the physical aggression that could come through in hitting, pushing, slapping, any of that activity. When it's yourself, it's important to stop yourself before responding to anything, to count to 10 in a slow manner. And then start asking questions. Where is this coming from? Why do I feel the need to escalate this situation? And then moving forward, looking at things like an emotional release. How can I best use this energy or deplete it or disintegrate it or, or move it through me in a safe way? So they'll say things like, you better. Or if you do that one more time. I did this for you, now it's your turn to pay up. If you value our relationship or love me at all, you'll do this for me. If you know what's good for you, I'm going to make you wish you hadn't done that. I dare you. Or there's the famous, or else. Now I know I've heard people in the parental role use these quite a bit. And really, it's not the most effective way to help to get someone to do something. They'll act in a very aggressive, intimidating, and scary manner. They may be angry and threatening. They can attack using violence or throwing or breaking things. Often yelling and screaming. They'll use curse words in an aggressive manner. So not just the, you know, occasional stub my toe and drop the F-bomb. They're cursing at someone. To belittle them. They can even be abusive emotionally, mentally, socially, financially, spiritually, physically, and even sexually. Now, there's a big caveat around calling out this control drama. This is probably the one that likes to be controlled the least, or called out in the least. So if it is unsafe for your person to stay in a situation, then absolutely leave. You do not need to feel like you need to be the bigger person when you're actually endangering yourself. You can leave and use words from a distance after some time. But if it's a situation where it is safe to call it out, you can say something like, I'm observing you're attempting to intimidate me with that statement or action. Why do you not feel safe to express how you truly feel? Or it's interesting that you're choosing to use fear or pain to try and navigate the situation. What's really going on? Or if you're being the intimidator, which trust me, I've been it, 
I just realized I'm trying to scare you into feeling or doing something and I'm sorry. That's not how I want to show up. Completely different feeling. Now in calling these people out, you need to be able to hold your field like a boss. You also have to have a genuine caring concern when you're calling these people out as they've usually built this up from being around disingenuine people and situations. You need to be able to allow them to open the emotional floodgates, and again, while staying on your axis. So now that you're more aware of what and how these show up, it's time to start looking around and to looking at yourself. Practice with listening to music, watching TV or movies. You'll see these control dramas everywhere. And one of the best ways to tell if you're using a control drama yourself is if you're going into a situation or a conversation with an expectation of the outcome. Not as in a possibility, but as in a, this is what I want you to say, or this is how I want you to act. Then chances are you're going to use a control drama in that interaction. So look at yourself. Start unwinding them in your own field. Understand that these are learned behaviors that we use sometime to keep us safe, to make it through tough situations, or to navigate our own family dynamics. But as I said, it's time to take responsibility. No more blaming others for how we act or react, or making excuses. So how are you showing up? How would you like to change that? How can we teach the generation we are in the previous generations, and the next ones to come to communicate with more respect and responsibility. This information can drastically change every relationship in your life if you want it to. So what are your next steps? Thank you for joining me for this conversation. If you've enjoyed it as much as I did, then please subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others to keep the conversation going. Until the next Conversations with the Starseed, stay curious and keep expanding.